On a rapidly changing, fragile planet, the dominant species plans for survival, but is it solutions bringing dangers of their own? Folks, these are tough times. That's with Lou Young. I'm Lou Young here with George Patanovic. Hi, George. And Will Hennessy. Hello. And uh, we've got a great show today. We have um, uh, Tracy Brown from uh, the uh, Hudson River Keeper uh, with us. Uh, uh, Tracy, you there? Hi. Hello. Yeah. Hi, here. Tracy. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Fine. We'll be talking in a minute. I just want to tell everybody what we got for this uh, this program coming up. Um, uh, we're talking about the. Um, how do you stop the ocean? How do you stop the ocean from rising? How do you stop the ocean from rising? Uh, can you build a wall that's strong enough to do that? Uh, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, we're going to be talking about that with uh, with Tracy and uh, the Army Corps idea of uh, having a whole gigantic retractable wall at the storm top. Storm surge wall. <laughs> storm surge wall. It's. I almost want to, you know, see it. Uh, but maybe you, you, they shouldn't build it just for my amusement. Uh, we've got uh, uh, her standing by. Uh, uh, we also are going to take time to say um, a goodbye, to note the passing of David Crosby, uh, whose uh, music uh, plays in the background here. We hear it in the background here? Yes. Yes. That's him. That's, that's David Crosby. Uh, died at 81 years of age this week. A voice, uh, angelic voice and fierce temper, a member of the uh, Birds back in the 60s, and uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and then Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, songwriter, rebellious hellraiser, and fierce defender of the em- then-emergent American counterculture. So we'll uh, we'll uh, ch- say goodbye to the citizen of Woodstock Nation, uh, striving, striving for the heavens, but uh, wrestling with his own demons. That's uh, essentially who uh, he was, a brilliant talent. Uh, we'll talk with someone who met the man several times um, and, uh, and uh, knew him better than we did. And um, uh, we'll listen to some of his music, including what's playing right now, and perhaps not the obvious ones, but I think some of his best work we're going to listen to. I mean, a fabulous, fabulous guy. Uh, that uh, uh, This short piece that's playing right now always struck me as a defiant challenge to the powers that be. Uh, at the height of the Vietnam War, uh, he demanded to know who was dragging our young men into that meat grinder. Uh, beautiful sounds uh, with uh, an undertone of menace, you know. I mean, he wants to hold them accountable. Uh, from his uh, first solo album, uh, this is uh, What Are Their Names? Let's listen briefly.
Crosby promises to give you a piece of his mind, <laughs> you better take him seriously. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's a uh, master of vocal harmonics. He inspired his bandmates and eventually alienated them all. We'll talk more about that. Uh, Tracy, let's get to the reason you're here. How are you today? I am great, and I will also point out that David Crosby was, of course, a huge water lover and sailor, and that comes up in his music. Right, that, that, that song Southern Cross, was, uh, was that his? I think it was. I don't remember. He had, they had that album of all the band... Um, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash on the boat. They had yeah. that sailing song. Yeah, yeah. Ships. Right? He was a big water guy. Oh, Wooden Ships is another one. Uh, wooden Ships go. is wooden another ships. one of his. Um, yeah. uh, in any event, so tell us uh, uh, briefly. Um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, get you to state the the rough problem. Then we're gonna uh, uh, ask you to join us here in the virtual lounge. We're gonna walk into the big machine and 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 monitor the entire planet's uh, <laughs> uh, problems. And then and then and and Come put back and focus put on. our concerns in, in context with that. But uh, essentially. Actually, tell us uh, what's the problem that the folks at uh, the Army Corps are trying to solve? Um, uh, what's the offered solution they've come up with? And what's the danger that that solution itself presents? Can you do that for us? Sure, happy to. So um, the Army Corps was engaged after Superstorm Sandy with a very specific and kind of limited um, charge from Congress. And it actually was was uh, a charge given for a number of communities on the East Coast that suffered um, really badly um, from the hurricane impacts, as our region did. And the charge was just to uh, make a plan to protect our region, especially the economic um, assets and the economic machine that lives in um, New York City from storm surge. So um, out of the gate, the, um, the directive was too narrow for people who live here on the ground. You know, we're aware of all of our issues and challenges around flooding, and there's multiple sources and combinations um, that make it a really nuanced uh, problem. Um, but uh, in kind of our traditional historic way, um, we've reached out to the Army Corps of Engineers, and we are getting a very... Uh, traditional Army Corps of Engineer response of walls and gates and gray infrastructure um, when we really need something a lot more nuanced and um, you right. know ideally coming well, well, from the I mean, so their idea is and and it's you got to give them uh, uh, credit for chutzpah <laughs> and 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 you know it'd be like you know one of the wonders of the world although it would be. Uh, uh, I mean, they, they want a wall. They want a, a retractable wall to close off the harbor. Am I correct? Well, their initial plans when they came out in 2018, they had five different scenarios, and two of them included these massive walls. Um, actually, three included massive walls that would basically have closed off all of New York Harbor, kind of blocking Long Island Sound at Drogs Neck, and then blocking the Atlantic Ocean. One plan would have been across. Um, uh, Breezy Point and Sandy Hook, uh, and the other one was further in across the, the Verrazano Narrows. Riverkeeper and partners fought very hard in 2018-19 to kill those two alternatives, and we're happy with the Corps now coming back in 2022 with their preferred alternative of the four, five all original alternatives that they have not proposed. The, the most massive barriers that we were really focusing on on our first campaign. But what they are proposing is 
a scaled back version where there still are a lot of proposed barriers, but they're smaller and there's more of them. There's 12 barriers on on um, smaller waterways throughout the region and the current plan that they're promoting. Okay, so in a nutshell, if we're worried about big storms and a gigantic storm surge, like we saw, as we saw in Sandy, uh, something that they'd been warning us about since 1970. Mm-hmm. Of course, the conditions had to be right. The storm had to hit just uh, just the, the right way. The tides had to help, all those things. But um, eventually it happened. Uh, it could happen again, uh, conceivably. The sea level is rising. Uh, so if you build the barriers to stop the surge, and, you know, and the surge is a, it's a transient event, and uh, what's the downside of those uh, of those barriers? So let's say we give the Army Corps the benefit of the doubt, and they are engineers, and um, you know if they can build barriers that will hold back what we call the um, hundred-year storm. Um, that's one thing, but the real conditions on the ground that we're concerned about is that we have rising sea levels in the region. Um, We have other types of storms, like Ida's and Irene's, that come in with heavy rain that don't include a big storm surge. Um, We have rising groundwater. And then we have combinations of these things where, you know, you get the right tide and the right moon combining with um, the sea level that we're all, rise that we're already experiencing. And you can have flooding in, in these communities even without a major storm. Yeah. So once we build, you know, I like to call it like a square peg for a round hole. Once we build this square peg and we've got gates and people have the, all these other types of flooding, they're going to say close the gates. Yeah. The gates yeah. are going to stop that flooding to some degree as well. And so we're going to start using the square peg to do something it wasn't designed to do. Right. And the whole plan, all the consequences, well, all these unintended consequences that I'm thinking we would not be signing on for if we got real about how we're really going to use these gates based well, on the other challenges. Just saying we're, that the we're guy, for, for the guy with the hammer, the whole world looks like a nail, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you, there's no way that you see that they're going to build these gigantic barriers and then just uh, wait a hundred years for the for the right moment to use them. Although it yeah, probably wouldn't be. Yeah, and the tides are coming in, and people's businesses are being flooding. And New York City is going to say, "Oh no, no, wait! There's no storm surge, though, people." There's no storm surge, so we're not going to close the gates. You're going to get flooded. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't build for this. <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll spend yeah, do something billion dollars. Well, I get I get um, that. So let's 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 uh, let's uh, uh, d- dive a little bit deeper uh, into that in a moment. Um, but if you'll uh, if you'll stay with, the, are you comfortable in the, in the place we have you seated in the virtual lounge? <laughs> I'm 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 putting my seatbelt on. Uh, we we go. got that we we got that piece of furniture at the at the virtual yard sale. <laughs> That's virtual yard sale. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Thanks so for that. Just for you. Let's let's stand up and take a walk into the big machine if we can. Um, we're we're going to go over here and uh, where we keep all. All the equipment that monitors uh, the climate uh, situation worldwide. Uh, Greenland, look at this. Temperatures highest in a thousand years. And they know that because they have the uh, the ice cores. So uh, um, those of you around in the winter of 10, 
1023 will remember how warm it was that year. I don't know. You know, it's uh, a thousand years, uh, and it's it's warming. And uh, what's going to happen if that if that ice sheet starts to move? We're in big trouble. Uh, what else do you see there, George? Well, I, I see long-standing droughts in the American Southwest and cuts in the Colorado water supplies. As of January 1st, uh, the city of Scottsdale, Arizona, has cut off its water supply to neighboring Rio, uh, Rio Verde, uh, forcing it to look for its water elsewhere. So uh, we have a community near Scottsdale that's now not going to have water supply that they were promised. They're for. buying water by the truck there, yeah. And, uh, Will, what, what do you, there's something in, in the western part of Germany that you've been looking at, right? Uh, the Lutzenthurg, I, I believe is how, I'm going to actually look Zoom that in city on that, back up yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, actually right now there's a giant uh, protest going on over there um, because there's this coal company that now that obviously between the Russian-Ukraine war right now, Russia has cut off a lot of the oil supply to the rest of Europe. Mm-hmm. So Germany is now relying back on coal and has now given away this abandoned village to this coal company to expand their already existing coal company into this village, which would you know, mean a lot of trees being cut down, a lot of, and a lot more coal production, which would obviously affect the I earth. I think what you're seeing there are, 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 are police. I think the protesters have been removed already. That uh, may- they're well. They're still. They're still fighting it out right riot now. Riot shields and stuff. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. They're well. Actually, the protesters have been constructing tree houses and things of that nature and using the existing infrastructure oh. to sort of zip line over the police. And oh. they've been somehow able to navigate around the the wetlands here. Police are getting stuck in mud. There's apparently a mud wizard helping them out right now. A it's, mud wizard. It's yeah. getting pretty crazy. I think Greta Thunberg made an appearance. She was arrested though. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, okay. Let's. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, she she was arrested. And uh, she uh, made bail, apparently, and mm-hmm. uh, is uh, now out and at Davos, Switzerland. And uh, and this is interesting. Uh, the, the the former child uh, activist, the the, the yeah, yeah. conscience of the of, of, of the world. Um, uh, Tracy, you find Greta Thunberg uh, inspirational? <laughs> yes, I do. I went and saw her when she came to New York City. I brought my kids that time when she sailed across. All right. Well, she's an she's an eighteen year old uh, young woman now, and uh, yeah. uh, with a police record, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully. And uh, but but at Davos, she's not going into the conference. She says there's no point going in and talking to these people. Uh, she's staying out on the street with the protesters, and so apparently this. Um, this uh, climate activism is is where she's going, and she explained uh, that the new tactic uh, that where we gotta where where we gotta where she thinks we have to go to uh, to change the uh, the tactic uh, in a in a recent interview. Let, let's listen, and then we'll chat on the other side of that. This is uh, Greta Thunberg. Right now, the changes that we need are not um, very likely to come from from the inside, rather I believe they will come from, from the bottom up, so to speak. And because without public pressure, without massive public pressure from the outside, at least in my experience, and these people are going to go as far, far as they possibly can. As long as they can get away with it, they will continue to invest in fossil fuels. They will continue to, to throw people under the bus for their own gain. Um, so I believe that the changes we need right now needs to happen uh, on the outside, we need to build and create a critical mass of people who demand change, mm-hmm. who demand justice. Demand justice. Uh, so she's uh, she's taken to the streets, taken it to the, the streets. streets. So that's uh, that's her uh, call to action. Uh, Tracy, uh, you agree with that? Do you think we still have uh, uh, institutions we can work with? Well, I think we have to do all those things, right? So you need the grassroots um, putting the pressure 
for the big institutions that still have the money and the power and the machinery to make change on the scale we need it to 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 change their course and this um this work around the army corps plan for our region is a good example of that you know there's a there's a powerful entity there's a lot of money available but they're not giving us the plan we want and we need uh, an upswell from the public to move that machinery because we do need the federal dollars um we do need a plan it's just you know it's a sustainability plan, but, you know, sustainable for what? Mm-hmm. Sustainable for who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to change uh, the questions. we got to change the conversation. So I agree with Greta, and I think it's pressure from the grassroots that is helping to change the questions that we're asking, but we have a long way to go. All right, so uh, I, uh, I see a, a future here where you and Greta are, uh, are chained to a bulldozer out at, uh, out at Sandy Hook. Or, no, never mind. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can, uh... We'll see. I mean, there are kids chained to trees in the East River and East River Park. I mean, we do have this happening now locally. New York City you know, has gone forward with a plan to, um, to raise East River Park. They've ripped apart... Uh, a cherished local park there, and, yeah. and the youth came out and have changed themselves and have tried really hard um, to get a better plan. Well, you know, uh, Reverend Bill Tallon and uh, Savitri D uh, from the Church of Stop Shopping. They, they, we, we'll be hearing from them in about oh, about forty five minutes. Um, uh, uh, she was arrested in the East River Park trying to protect yeah. a tree, and uh, they have, uh, they, you know, they, they've been doing that as well. Uh, the activism, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing I find about that, Tracy, is that that the the, the fight over the East River Park um, is the first time that I noticed that nobody is arguing about whether climate change is real, but they argue or are arguing about what to do about it. And at least that's progress, is it not? Yeah, I think that's a mark of progress. I do think. Um, you know, the city really botched the process by, you know, kind of engaging the public in a pretty thoughtful process and, and talking about a design and getting a lot of buy-in. And then after that, saying, oh, never mind, we don't want to make that big of an investment too expensive. We're going to do something else. Um, I think they really lost a lot of trust. And I think now that's probably one of the reasons why they're not stepping forward and being the, lead, the leaders that we need them to be around the Army Corps plan. Yeah. So, um, uh, and uh, oh, whatever. Another, you know, uh, this is all fine for us to uh, engage in these uh, internal debates and arguments until the next storm comes, and then we find out that we're not ready again. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. all right. Let, let's let's talk about where we are now with the Army Corps uh, project. Uh, uh, George, you, you're, you're conversant in this. Why don't you uh, Why don't you take the lead on this? Yeah. Well, um, Tracy mentioned that uh, I think it's in mo- early March. Is it March seventh? March seventh. Yeah. Yep. That there's a extended deadline that originally it was earlier, and that enough people spoke out to say, hey, we need a longer lead time for the public to become aware of these proposals. Um, and, and I know Riverkeeper was very involved in that effort, advocacy effort, um, was able to get that deadline extended. Uh, and there's an opportunity here for us, and this is one of the reasons why we'd like, you know, we're speaking to Tracy this morning is to, this afternoon, to, to, um, to hear about these options and which ones Riverkeeper considers to be the more viable uh, or the more viable combination of these plans. Uh, and that uh, perhaps people can, you know, as you're learning about it, can participate in the public input process prior to the March 7th deadline. So uh, I'm listening to, uh, um, to, you know, to what your thoughts are, Tracy. 
Yeah, well, it, it is an important moment now. So the Army Corps has gone from the five alternatives, including a no-action alternative, mm-hmm. to a very specific alternative now, the 3B, we, we call it. It's this smaller Seagate's um, and shoreline-based measures plan. Uh, and they're asking the public, you know, what we think. Um, we would definitely like for there to be a lot more visibility and public awareness and education. Mm-hmm. So we really appreciate having this time on your show to talk about it and try and raise some of that awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really important that people take some time, get their heads around what is being recommended and and speak up and engage in this process because it's a project that is going to change the character of our region you know, permanently, really. Um, it's yes. a huge inflection point for our region. Yes. And it couldn't be more important for people to um, come up to speed and participate. Yeah, and that, and that the initial, from my understanding, the initial um, mission that was given by Congress to the Army Corps of Engineers was not really complete and that it really asked them to address the storm surge uh, aspect of uh, of the issue as opposed to the sea level rise. So I guess our concern here is also that the the plan that's being discussed does not actually fully address the, the problem, and, and, and we're going to be spending a lot of time and a lot of money developing a plan here that uh, perhaps has got the initial mission was, was uh, ill-conceived. Yeah, so we're still in the age of, um, you know, control of nature, the kind of our, our vanity of technology that we think we can stop seas and we can stop weather. It's our planet, um, damn it. And, <laughs> and we really need, you know, we need to fundamentally shift the conversation. Mm-hmm. And we need to ask, uh, you know, how can we be moving forward and preserve, you know, our critical quality of life um, elements and our critical natural systems on which our life period is is reliant, you know, our living estuary, our living rivers, Mm -hmm. Um, and not just try and throw a lot of money at trying to preserve what we've been doing. Because what we've been doing, you know, we've clearly reached the end of the line with this model, and we need to change. We need to be looking at living in harmony with natural systems, biomimicry, green infrastructure, and, and building walls is a very old idea for a very new and quickly um, uh, emerging problems. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to appreciate that it is a living river and that there's life in the river that uh, is is part of a larger ecosystem that serves a greater purpose, not only along the Hudson, in the Hudson Valley, but into the ocean, and this, it connects with other ecosystems. And I think it's important uh, for people to understand, and this is a, certainly a lot of the work that Riverkeeper has done over the years to bring better and greater understanding, not only about water quality, but the life in the river. Uh, and that this is an interruption, to a large degree, of that ecosystem. It's, it's not all about real estate on the, along the waterfront, although that's an aspect of this. It's what's happening in the river and that we do not do damage to or, or impede the process that, that would naturally occur. And, and also that will eventually have effects on, on communities, the salt concentrations, the, the fish migration, all those things that go on in the river. When, when people look at the river, uh, they see a beautiful river, but they don't necessarily understand what's happening within the river. And, well, and let, let me play devil's advocate here. Yeah. Okay, all right, may I do that? Yeah, well, let go me, ahead, you like to play devil's advocate. Let me, let me put the horn hat on here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, uh, uh, so um, we've got, um, 
Oh, I'm too close? Just, no, you're talking to the... You're talking to the back of the microphone. I'm Can you just rotate the, oh, it? Yeah, I'm no, sorry. other side of the microphone. Will the is, microphone Will is reprimanding me. There you go. George is... Yeah. George, perfect, George. I've only so been in... Yeah, I, you know... <laughs> He's well, kind of new to broadcasting. Here we broadcasting for 45 years, and I still don't know what I'm doing. That's going. okay. It looks the same on you're both talking sides. talking to the wrong end of the microphone, Luke. Come on. In any event, okay, so uh, uh, the Army Corps has built barriers at Stanford. You, you ever seen that one, uh, Tracy? Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that looks like a dam, sort of, right? Yep. Yeah, and they're, they're building this uh, this uh, $88 million uh, thing in Mamaroneck uh, that's going to uh, get water out of the uh, the river. That's, that's more of a river flooding thing. Are, are you familiar yeah. with that? I am. Okay, mm-hmm. that's where that's where I'm from. I'm, I'm American. <laughs> and then they, uh, you know, they uh, they've been charged with trying to uh, uh, save people from flooding. People who who whose uh, uh, stomachs get into a knot every time there's a storm mm-hmm. or rain. So, um, uh, uh, what uh, what are the do these solutions look like um, uh, from a, a physical standpoint? And 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 what's what's preferable? Why? What are we getting wrong by this approach? So I think one of the fundamental flaws, in addition to just focusing on storm surge, mm-hmm. which is a huge flaw, is also the scale of um, such a big study area and trying to kind of bite that off as, as one piece instead of looking more on these local impacts and all the differences within all these waterways. You have to remember, New York City is an archipelago with many, many tributary streams and um, two um, estuaries and a giant right. wetland system. Yeah, I mean, it's, very, it's a very beautiful and, and complex um, conglomeration of many little ecosystems. So a solution on the scale of those specific ecosystems, you know, like take Jamaica Bay, you know, what's happening mm-hmm. in Jamaica Bay, then take... Um, you know, Flushing Bay and F- Flushing Creek, you know, then take, uh, you know, Elizabeth and um, look at the wetlands. I mean, there's so much nuance that just to think we can kind of put a bunch of walls around this mm-hmm. this complex universe of ecosystems and make it into kind of a bathtub and keep the ocean out, um, it's... it's just kind of madness continuing that thought of somehow being apart from nature as a part of nature we're really looking at these solutions separate from what's happening within the ecosystems and we're not working with it in other words it takes understanding the suggestions that you're making regarding the different ecosystems it's understanding you can't just come out with a blanket um, response that somehow is going to solve them well let me let me so let me say i don't want to and i mentioned projects i don't want to lump them in with the barriers i mean uh uh, we're not saying that those uh the 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 uh, Stanford barrier or the uh, the flood mitigation river flood mitigation project in Mamaroneck uh, is is problematic, are we? No, not necessarily. I mean, we look. We're at a point where the climate is changing. Our 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 world is changing. We have to put measures in. One of the reasons why Riverkeeper is submitting comments and trying and fighting hard for a better plan is because we want to capture these federal dollars. We need to do measures in our region, and getting federal support and investment is in that is something we want for our community. So we're not suggesting 
the no action um, plan. When we did our comments last time, there was a, an option which was all shoreline-based measures and had more of the nature-based <laughs> measures that we supported. Yeah, you know, so, in, in Mimarnock, we had the no action plan, which was, uh, I, I think, I think the move lo- your car. <laughs> the local plan was, uh, uh, hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> yeah, and then move your, I yeah. have a cousin that lives in Mimarnock, she has to move her car every time it rains. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, so uh, yeah. we're, we're uh, I'm a, uh, full disclosure, I'm a member of the Board of Trustees there now and uh, Deputy Mayor, and uh, and we are, uh, we are not going to sit on our hands on this. We're going to do something. So, yeah, nor should you. People, people need to get realistic and need to look at our footprint on the ground. Yeah. But, you know, let's also talk about the, this such obvious low-hanging fruit stuff that we don't do. Like, how about stop building in the floodplains? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stop right. filling in our wetlands. Remove dams so our rivers can have more of that absorptive capacity for the inland heavy rain events like Ida. Yeah, so well, you know, we so we have a dam. Loss of life. You know, we have a dam in Mamarnock that uh, that uh, they uh, they took responsibility for in the seventies. And mm-hmm. they were going to take it down, but they thought it was going to be a flood control. And and now um, it looks like that dam may be a, a, a flood control measure. So it's it's like we're trying to figure out what to do. There's a natural. I guess tension between uh, flood mitigation in a populated area and uh, environmental concerns. I mean, how do we how do we walk that line? I th- well, I no, no, I'm, I'm asking. I'm interested in what Tracy has to say about this. So, how do we walk that? Um, yeah. well, you got to walk that line first of all. Let's be very honest with ourselves that we don't live separate from nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can't make nature the enemy. We can't make water the enemy and separate ourselves from water. We need life in our waterways. We need our waterways to be functioning and have oxygen and have flow and move sediment. Mm-hmm. So dams don't do that. Um, you know, some dams are needed. The dams that, you know, hold up our drinking water reservoirs, um, that's mission critical stuff. But dams as a flood control measure, it's honestly better if you can open up a river system and get the um, get those kind of wetlands and marshes yeah. and those those riverbanks, mm-hmm. those floodplains accessible again. And what you end up is you end up slowing down the flow, um, you know, reducing that rush. The problem that you have in Mimarinic now is because the Mimarinic River has been hardened and channelized in so many places upstream of Mimarinic, yeah, it's I, coming at you fast and hard. Yeah, that, that's the... And so then you just, it's just, can we move it faster? Can we move it faster? Can we move it faster? Because the, 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 you're pushing all the problems down to the downstream communities, when in fact you got to go upstream and slow it yeah, down. Absolutely. From the beginning, and let everyone take some of that rainwater and address stormwater in this on this watershed scale. So that is also work the Army Corps can do. That is work to be done. That's work you know riverkeepers engaged in doing. So there's lots to be done. It's it's what are the strategies that we're implementing? Are they 1950s strategies, or are they 20 you know? 2050 strategies. We yeah, got po- politically. Be more politically, though, it's a tough sell to people who uh, who get flooded. Uh, you, know, you know, two, three, four, five, six times. You know, they uh, they, yeah. they they Absolutely. they want they want something done, and mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, I, you know, I don't necessarily blame them. Tr- no, and right and right, they should. People shouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. People shouldn't have to be experiencing that. So you know, let's be honest. Some people need to move. Need to close up shop and move. Some people, you know, we've built communities in 
wetlands. They don't look like mm-hmm. a wetland because we filled it with a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. but it's going to return to being a wetland. You know, water goes where water wants to go. So some of it we have to accept that we made mistakes in, in our built environment, and but in other places we can do things. We can do measures um, around stormwater um, and around rivers, but, you know, my worry, what keeps me up at night is a world where America has made our waterways the enemy. Yeah, no, 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 I, I need to. This no, this is the Mamaroneck. You're in my rice ball here. I got to. I got to talk about this. The the that uh, that Mamaroneck River was cha- was channelized when Franklin Roosevelt uh, was president. So uh, um, I mean, there's really. I mean, that hasn't that ship sailed now. Well, we need to go back to watershed-based planning. Like, in my opinion, forget the uh, forget you know legislative districts and gerrymandering we should all be organized on watersheds and anyone who knows how watersheds work you have a big watershed and then a little one in that and a little one it's Mm -hmm. a nesting doll of um, scales and all of us now going forward into the future as water will be as people used to say in the 80s i kind of hate this expression but you know water is the next oil you know it's going to be our most valuable resource both Mm -hmm. as a life-giving and life-sustaining resource, but also as a life-threatening, um, you know, uh, resource as well. So we should be organizing in that way. And the fact that it's just Mamaroneck and its little municipal borders, you know, downstream from, I forget how that watershed flows. White Plains, I, Harrison. White, Harrison, um, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, th- that river goes all the way up to the uh, to the Valhalla Dam. And, Garsdale, uh, and the, uh, yeah. So you guys need yeah. to be talking as a group. And saying, what's sure. our stormwater management plan? And, and that's the that's the long shed? that's the long term solution to that. But in the short term, uh, people don't want it to flood. <laughs> so we got the we got but the short term solution. We and, only live in the short term. This is the problem, right? Yeah, well, Where there yeah, never is. Right, so when the, when the is the long term going to gonna arrive? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I when you, are we going to get there? Tracy, I think you raised an important point regarding land use policies. You know, that while we're recognizing we made some mistakes in the past by building in floodplains and and wetlands, we shouldn't be continuing that kind of policy going forward at the same time we're trying to resolve the problems we've created. So I think there needs to be a real strong look at the land use policies regarding the building in floodplains and stop filling in the wetlands so that we don't continue to add to this problem, right? This is a a way to naturally mitigate the problem, and let's recognize that. And, And there seems to be, I know in all local uh, decisions are made regarding land use development in individual communities, but there seems to be a need for an overall plan within the state, at least, to say uh, we got to stop what we've been doing that's been poor land use policies and and and, and not uh, continue the, the, what's gotten us to the point where we are today. And before we before we uh, um, uh, explore uh, Tracy's uh, musical yeah. choices here, uh, 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 um, we we uh, I, I want to point out that a lot of these floodplain areas um, are home to our uh, our poorest. And most disadvantaged people, because uh, that's <laughs> that's where these uh, our societies have have grouped them. So to say, just uh, let's clear the floodplain. Um, you got to have pe- people have to have a place to live, and these are mm-hmm. these are uh, 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 many many instances low income. 
uh, people who uh, who you know who live in harm's way. So uh, uh, I can't blame them for or, being put or, in harm's way. Or expensive way. condos on the river. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> let's face it; these are not poor. The people expensive too. condos you don't flood. They're high enough. They're flood resilient. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's the lowland around the expensive condos that usually flood. Mm-hmm. In any event, um, uh, Tracy, when you uh, you were telling us about the kind of music you like. You know, I yeah. mean, river music, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we were looking around, and I and I, I looked at all those, and, and we knew all those songs, but I found something, and I don't know. Do you, do you have you heard of a guy named Connell Cruz? I don't think I have. Well, I found this is a song called "Take Me to the River," which is not the "Take Me to the River" that you know from uh, Talking Heads, okay. and uh, 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 and I found this guy, this guy, and he's a he's a South African, and I want to play this for you, so maybe it'll be your new favorite river song. I don't know. Great. And then we'll we'll, we'll, we'll chat at the other end, and I'm sure George George is chopping at the bit to yeah. get to a whole bunch of stuff here. But let's listen to okay. to, uh, to Connell Cruz, my new discovery, because Tracy liked songs about rivers. Here we go. Okay.
sunlight caresses your skin You're my forever lover I'm your original Take me to the river. And Tracy, I'm not sure he's talking about your river there. I mean. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that, isn't that great? Connell, yeah, Connell great. Cruz, never heard of him. He doesn't look like, he doesn't look the way he sounds, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and is South African and a big, big uh, rising star. So keep an eye on that. So that, that's a, a new cool. song for you. What were some of the songs that, 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 that. She liked the Leon Bridges song. The Leon Bridges. Oh yeah, we have. We I think Leon we have your favorite. And Kevin Morby. Kevin, Kevin Morby has two very local river songs: Harlem River and Piss River. <laughs> well, we got. We, listen, we got twenty minutes at the top of the hour. I don't want to take away from the conversation. If we got time for Leon Bridges, we'll we'll do that. Uh, George, uh, why don't you get to the uh, the uh, uh, subject? Well, you want to let's get let's get to the, the fact that there's five alternatives being uh, proposed by the Army Corps of Engineers, and it sounds like Riverkeepers actually looking for alternatives to those. Um, are you endorsing any of the combination of the five? And, and I guess, what, you know, what in addition to that, I see you have a list of uh, more phased-in planning construction approach, and, and maybe you could explain a little bit about how your thoughts deviate from the original plans, five plans being proposed by the Army Corps of Engineers. Yeah, so um, Riverkeeper would really like to see our local officials. We have, you know, you have the Army Corps, the federal partner, but they are working in partnership with New York State Department of Environmental Conservation, mm -hmm. New Jersey's Department of Environmental Protection, mm -hmm. and New York City Department of Environmental Protection. Mm -hmm. um, we would really like to see those groups coming together to take over leadership of this planning process mm -hmm. and be leading us through a more holistic planning process that really asks all the questions and gets us to something that addresses the, the really complex um, challenges that we actually are facing so we don't end up with that square peg mm -hmm. um, that is the only tool in our toolbox when the next round of storms run in. So that would be the ideal, <laughs> you know, a reset. Mm -hmm. um, short of that, or I, I'll say, you know, in the interim while we you know, the, the clock um, um, ticks forward on the current public comment mm -hmm. opportunity. Um, we are currently looking at calling for a hybrid of different elements of the alternatives. Um, specifically, we don't want to see these gates blocking the mouths of our riverways, um, but we would um, welcome um, the nature-based infrastructure and some of the strategic seawalls and shoreline-based measures um, that we see in the plan um, that that can address sea level rise mm -hmm. um, as well as storm surges. So at least we get a dual benefit there, and it's not premised on um, the idea that it only works if a gate is closed, but we're only going to close the gates you know, once every hundred years. So something that really says what, you know, what can we do on the shorelines in communities where we need some protection that's mm -hmm. permanent, you know, year round mm -hmm. infrastructure that's going to start to provide benefits right away. That's what we would, would, would rather see and rather see us spend our um, taxpayer dollars on. One of the images, uh, Tracy, and I'm reminding our viewers, we're talking to Tracy Brown, the president of uh, Hudson Riverkeeper, about uh, storm sur uh, surge barriers 
uh, proposed for uh, Hudson River and uh, the New York Harbor, etc. Um, one of the images that stru struck me from Sandy, uh, the most dramatic image, uh, was the, the water uh, that came over the uh, Battery Park seawall and uh, went right down into the battery tunnel. I mean, that, that it was, it was yeah. uh, I, I talked with a photographer who took that picture and he was almost, uh, almost lost his life uh, taking that, th mm -hmm. those images. And um, uh, so in some places, barriers uh, and, and seawalls are called for. Do you have a, 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 maybe a short list of places where uh, you can concede that that, uh, that, that kind of, um, Approach. Uh, that kind of blunt force <laughs> approach is appropriate? Yeah, yes. There are definitely places that are going to be inundated more and more frequently where we either have to choose between some barriers or retreat. Um, and in some places, you know, the barriers could be something like a berm. You know, if you're talking about, you know, Coney Island, the Rockaways, where you have natural um a natural landscape still in place, you can do things um, like build these giant elevated berms and kind of raise the landscape behind them and still have some natural feeling place to go and be on the beach. In places where it's already a hard edge, like lower Manhattan, um, you know, bigger, bigger walls and what they're, you know, and then you decide if you build the landscape up to meet that wall and you're kind of topping over your waterfront or if you're living behind a wall because infrastructure, buildings, other things um, More make that required. Yeah. So absolutely, we have to spend money and invest in preparing for these impacts because they are here and, and some communities, especially out in Coney Island and the Rockaways, are already experiencing really regular flooding even you know outside of any storm system rolling in so it's happening now we have to spend this money let's just spend it on on the right things and and you know one of my other concerns is that the 52 billion dollar proposal of gates and walls combined together to hold out storm surges is just buying us time you know if we're not solving the real mm -hmm. complex problems that we're actually facing, mm -hmm. we're spending money and kicking the can because mm -hmm. those problems are still going to be here and they're only going to get stronger as we go forward. So, you know, we don't want to lose this opportunity to get the most out of this investment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I also, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we had uh, uh, Andrew Larkin on, uh, who is a, a friend of mine who is a uh, aqua culturist mm -hmm. uh, out on the North Fork. He, uh, he raises oysters and uh, we yeah. came across uh, the uh, Billion Oyster Project for the uh, for the uh, well, for the for the harbor for the harbor for the harbor. I mean uh, yeah. so um, uh, I know this is a little tangential to what we've been talking about but uh, how do you feel about that? How far up the river can we go with, uh, with oysters? And um, uh, is that a, an idea for the uh, for the sound as well? You were uh, you were uh, connected with um, Save the Sound. I mean, could we uh, uh, bring aquaculture to the um, to the sound shore of uh, Westchester and uh, and uh, the North Shore of Long Island? Yes, absolutely. So that is a great example of um, you know a nature-based solution where you're you're rebuilding these offshore, nearshore oyster reefs, and what they do is they break the wave energy further out from the shoreline. So they reduce the force of the impact and also then the erosion on our coastal communities because they're breaking the waves further out. 
So they definitely are a good strategy um, for protecting against storms, as are when you come to the storm, then um, having our marshes and our wetlands in place. They also take wave energy um, and, and, and can actually absorb a lot of that water and reduce impacts. So those are all great strategies. We should be looking at deploying those wherever we can throughout the whole Hudson River estuary and the Long Island Sound estuary. And one of Riverkeeper's um, hopes um, for getting a better plan uh, as we engage with the Army Corps process is let's put those nature-based strategies first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Let's fund the green stuff first and see what we can get done and then move to the gray instead of the reverse. All right. All right. They can happen more quickly probably too, right? Then, then it can happen more quickly. Mm -hmm. It can happen more economically. economically yeah. We can start to see the types of benefits. And then the big gray walls, I mean, you know, as Lou said earlier, there are some places where we know we're going to need walls and we've been where, we're, you know, there's consensus around needing walls now. So I'm not saying, you know, don't do the low-hanging fruit, obvious gray stuff. Um, but where it's more nuanced and mm. uncertain where we're heading, let's start, let's really pile in the green infrastructure, the oyster beds, the wetlands, the berms, um, and those types of That's things. That's your hybrid and approach, yeah, really various, various solutions, not just one. And, and, and oysters also clean the water, mm -hmm. right? Yes, as do wetlands. Yeah, yes, yeah. oysters. Um, muscles, but oysters are you know, delicious. And oysters are delicious. Um, so there's a, there's a lot that we can do, and they have, yeah, they have these multiple benefits. And one of the reasons, you know, a flaw within the system of the, the CORE's approach is all their decisions and their plan design is based on a cost-benefit analysis that doesn't give any value to um, our existing ecosystems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So uh, uh, yeah, it's all these gray infrastructure and and, and hard real infrastructure, mm -hmm. real estate, exactly, and then it and then it solves it with more gray infrastructure. So the whole lens is is very uh, outdated. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, anyway, and uh, and anxiety. They don't. They, you know, I mean, the people who live near rivers where it's flooded. They they get very anxious when it rains. Well, I mean, yeah. And Tracy, how how is this going to or will it uh, help us? I mean, I live in Stony Point. You know, Stony Point took a big hit with Hurricane Sandy and other communities, Austin, right across the way where Riverkeepers are located. Uh, you got other Tarrytown, Hastings. Uh, is this kind of a plan going to help those communities, or are they going to have to uh, c consider other alternatives in order to deal with? I guess both the storm surge and the sea level rise, or is this is this is this a plan that's going to assist their or, or address some of their needs as well? Yeah, so I anticipated knowing your 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 <laughs> listenership this question. So I actually have in front of me the how the core exactly addresses the our communities. So I I live in Westchester, yeah. um, and I'll just read you like two lines, and then the communities they address. So they say um, the analysis presented in this report. Um, uh, blah, 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 cost ratio. Uh, it says it would not be cost effective to proceed at this larger scale of shore-based measures um, in certain areas. However, there are still vulnerable properties and communities in need of coastal storm risk management. These areas are slated for further analysis for smaller scale shore-based measures to find a scale that is cost effective or for non-structural treatments. These measures are included and they list Stony Point perimeter shore-based measure, Stony Point shore shore-based measure, 
Ossining shore base measure, mm-hmm. Terrytown shore base measure, Yonkers north and south shore base measure, Bronx River, Westchester Ke- Creek, storm mm-hmm. surge barriers, Pelham Bay, storm surge barrier, Astoria shore base measure, and Long Island City mm-hmm. shore base measure. So that list of projects was in an earlier version of their tentatively selected plan, and they took those out. So my reading of this is that they're acknowledging that these are areas that are going to have impact, but that they're not seeing with their cost-benefit analysis a good enough return on investment. Hmm. And that's a lot of shore-based measures there. It's a lot of shore-based measures. So, So they're saying, again, slated for further analysis, for smaller scale shore-based measures to find a scale that is cost-effective or non-structural treatment. So the non-structural treatment, you know, that could mean, you know, oyster reefs, um, wetland restoration, um, you know, other other green infrastructure measures. So it's really to be determined. All right. Uh, so uh, let, let's, as we uh, wind down here, let's um, get to what, what, should people be doing now? Where should our attention be directed uh, in the next uh, in the next six months yeah. to a year? Before March 7th. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, Riverkeeper is going to be um, hosting a webinar to, um, you know, bring together experts and, and our experts on staff and talk to the public and make ourselves available to walk people through the details of what is currently proposed by the core and answer questions. And we believe we'll have a representative of the core um, participating as well, which we appreciate. Um, so that is going to be scheduled in February. So people have some time um, to to do their research and to submit comments. We also will be providing on our website the talking points from our comments and then an action alert for people who just want to kind of sign on to public comments that we'll write. Um, so I would really encourage folks, we, those, you know, our team is working on that material now. It's not ready to share. We're, we're still doing our research. It's a, you know, over a thousand page feasibility study we're working our way through. Um, so the best thing to do would be to sign up for Riverkeeper's email list, and then you can get the emails. We'll be emailing everybody once the webinar is scheduled, and then emailing everybody to so, share our so, talking so points. So give us a, give us a way to do comments. that. So it's riverkeeper.org? Yes. Riverkeeper.org. Um, just go to our main page, and then you can click on Get Involved, and there's a link there to um, join the mailing list. All right, because uh, and you, there's yeah. also a lot of materials already that if people want to start to read and mm-hmm. and you know link to the course presentations. I did a webinar that George knows about mm-hmm. that we've posted there. Great. So if people want to start researching, there's a lot available. Um, we just don't have our comments for this comment period yet. That'll take a few more. So weeks. it's a good opportunity for people to start to educate themselves, so they're more familiar with the issues when you do release your. Your letter, uh, they'll be more familiar with the issues you're discussing. All right. Uh, the river that runs both ways. Uh, you know, it can run your way or it can run away from you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so so get involved, riverkeeper.org. Um, uh, uh, Tracy Brown, thank you so much for, for, for joining us. Um, um, we want, you know, we've got... You certainly can hang around uh, for the last half hour. Uh, we're going to be talking about a number of things. I know we didn't get to the Champlain Power Express, right. uh, uh, which is a whole can of worms, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, indeed. It is. We talked about that last week, and we're hoping to have another program on that when the 
Champlain Hudson Express people come out with their report. But I know there's upstate com concerns with upstate communities, sure. the seven communities that are drawing their water from the river. There's and much problems with the entire project. We focused more on the Stony Point aspect this of is, it. This is a, gi a giant uh, power cable that's uh, running down the river from... Uh, uh, or proposed to run down the river from Canada to uh, Queens, yes, uh, New York. That's correct. And uh, so, yeah. uh, anyway, we want to we want to uh, end with some music here. Uh, um, if you want to come back in the last half hour and talk about it, you are certainly welcome. If you got other stuff to do on this Saturday, <laughs> I certainly understand that. We appreciate your time. We appreciate that the hour just flew by, <laughs> and um, uh, we can we can we got enough time maybe for Leon Bridges, or a David Crosby song. You pick. <laughs> Oh, well, in honor of David Crosby, I will. Let's do that. Okay, um, here we go. What a, what a genius. And thanks for your time, and thanks for covering this. I'm going to listen on my radio um, to the rest of the show today, and I'm happy to come on again and talk about Chippy Okay, and, and if you want to come back in, uh, at 2.30, uh, at, uh, you are certainly welcome, but uh, no pressure. Okay? Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Tracy. All right. All right let's, thank you both. Let's uh, listen yeah. to uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, David Crosby's almost cut my hair. I'll now proceed to entangle the entire area. Almost cut my hair. Just the other day It's getting kind of long I could have said it was in my way
together I'm going to get down in that sunny southern weather WRCR, AM 1700, WRCR.com. David Crosby's Almost Cut My Hair, mm-hmm. uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. That was back when having uh, long hair mm-hmm. uh, was, a uh, was a statement. Mm-hmm. It was the uh, opposite of a, of a MAGA cap. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't say that. <laughs> you know, it, it was like you had long hair. Everybody knew what you thought. Now, now, now you know, now everybody's got long hair. I mean, you got, uh, yeah. you know, um, Ted I, Nugent's got long I hair. I remember those days. And but, but. Men have are able to have long hair because hippies paved the way. There they you go. The so, so so thank a hippie <laughs> <laughs> if you've got long hair. In any event, or uh, your grandparents. Yeah, or your grandparents. So um, uh, our uh, our time for uh, for religion has come up. All right, it's uh, the church has stopped shopping. Reverend Billy Savitri D. We talked about them earlier. Um, Savitri D. was uh, arrested. Uh, in the um, in the um, uh, East River Park, protesting what the city is doing there to uh, to uh, make that area more resilient, they uh, uh, the uh, protesters are saying they're destroying the park to save it, and uh, um, so it's a conflict over what to do about the uh, the climate resilient. Um, Solutions they've chosen, and and the choice is, uh, you know, the, the the point is that nobody's arguing, nobody with any, I think any, I want to say any any intelligence is arguing whether climate change is real or not, uh, but they uh, there is a difference of opinion about what to do about it. Uh, so um, the uh, church stop shopping eco riot uh, presentation this mm-hmm. Saturday is called After Consumerism the Deluge, and it's focusing on the. Uh, the atmospheric river floods in California. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, uh, they are the experts say these th- this disaster in California is not necessarily caused by climate change, mm-hmm. but you can guarantee that climate change will make it worse. Mm-hmm. So as bad as it is now, um, uh, you can expect um, more severe and more frequent atmospheric rivers uh, because of climate change. So uh, that's I get good news and bad news? I don't know. Um, so anyway, Reverend Billy is uh, opening this piece, and I want you to listen in the very beginning. Uh, there's a new Neil Young song on there from Neil Young's new album called World Record, which is all about... Uh, climate change and the environment and all that. And um, it's an interesting half hour. Uh, Neil Young and uh, Reverend Billy are, and Savitri D are, are rather close. Uh, Neil Young, of course, knew uh, David Crosby, uh, you know, and they didn't always get along. So there's a, a link there, a kind of an overarching theme to this uh, show. And uh, let's uh, see if we can squeeze in here and grab a pew in the Earth Church. 
Riot Radio in lovely downtown New York City in the East Village, sitting here in the Church of Stop Shopping, affectionately called the Earth Church. We're back from our winter break and Savitri D from the News from the Natural World, upcoming in a few minutes. Savitri and Silver, Silver Pandolfino from the base section of the Church of Stop Shopping Choir. Well, you're just out of jail, aren't you? trying to get between a macho chainsaw man and a lovely, beloved tree named Matilda. Thank you for your bravery. We're glad you're out. And speaking of bravery, the people in California, oh, we're going to be speaking to the artists of California and our friends on the radio stations of California, and I know that some of you are podcasting, downloading us on your, your, your computers, in the, the storms that are coming down upon you from the atmospheric rivers, they call them. These rivers of air laden with moisture that usually stay up in the atmosphere way up high, but now they're coming down and the earth is singing this fierce song. And Neil Young with Love Earth, he is communicating with the earth's communication with us. There's a duet there. We have a conversation going on with the earth. And I think, I think this, is, this is the way the First Nations people talk about the earth. We have judgmental words, disasters, natural disasters, and, and bomb cyclones, and extinction. These are, these, are, these are words of violence. They're military-sounding words. But that's not what the Earth is doing. And I think our First Nation friends in the community of KCEI, uh, especially right there, the Hopi Pueblo, and uh, up in uh, WOJB, the Ojibwe people, we, we, have, we have people listening to me right now who wouldn't use that harsh, judgmental descriptions of what the earth is doing. In fact, the earth loves us. The earth loves life. And what is going on right now is a struggle to live by the earth. And we're going to find a way to join up. We're going to talk with the earth and join in. But I'd like to go right now to some of the, the birds that fly up in that atmospheric river. <laughs> some of them fly for days. California condors, I think, of frigate birds. Right now, let's go to a bird called the albatross. The albatross. We're going to ask you, please, Translate for us what the earth is saying to us with these storms. Earth, hallelujah. 
in a social science, folks. It's based in social movement theory. Now, what that means is that Extinction Rebellion has been based on momentum-driven organizing. What we do with that is we define our principles and values, and anybody who wants to take action in the name of Extinction Rebellion is welcome, so long as they meet our principles and values. That's how you decentralize a movement and allow it to spread. People don't have to ask for permission before they take action. 
And, and one of our principles and values is about regenerative cultures. We want to do this in the spirit of, of there's logic here in the social science of why we do this. It's based in logic, but fundamentally and beyond that, it's based in love. So many rebels, before they go and they take their action, they make a solemn intention. They offer their act of civil disobedience as a form of prayer in service to life. And here's a, a solemn intention that many rebels have taken. They say, let's take a moment, this moment to consider why we are here. Let's remember our love for this beautiful planet that feeds, nourishes, and sustains us. Let's remember our love for the whole of humanity in all corners of the world. Let's recollect our sincere desire to protect all for ourselves, for all living beings, and for generations to come. As we act today, may we find the courage to bring a sense of peace, love, and appreciation to everyone we encounter, to every word we speak, and to every action we make. We are here for all of us. It's a prayer. It's an act of love. challenges are dynamically generated within the dominant global culture, principally by the mismatch between short-term scale market and political forces driving resource extraction use and longer time scale accommodations of the Earth system to these changes. Increasing resource demand is leading to the development of two-way non-linear interactions between human societies and environmental systems that are becoming global in extent. Either through globalized markets and other institutions or through coupling to global environmental systems such as climate. These trends are further intensified by dissipation reducing technological advances in transactions, communication and transport, which suppress emergence of longer time scale economic and political levels of description facilitate long-distance connections and by predictive environmental modeling which strengthens human connections to a short-term scale virtual Earth and weakens connections to the larger time scales of the actual Earth. Environmental management seeks to steer fast-scale economic and political interests of a coupled human environmental system towards longer time-scale consideration of benefits and costs by operating within the confines of the dominant culture, using a linear engineering-type connection to the system, 
Perhaps as an evidence by widespread inability to meaningfully address such global environmental challenges as climate change and soil degradation. As acidifying oceans, nonlinear connections reduce the ability of managers to operate outside coupled human... Human... Environmental... Systems. Decreasing their effectiveness and steering towards sustainable interactions resulting in managers slaved to short to intermediate terms. The dynamics of the global coupled human environmental system within the dominant culture precludes a management for stable, sustainable pathways and promotes, promotes instability. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. California is underwater facing intense flooding in multiple regions with at least 19 lives lost so far and nearly 100,000 people evacuated from their homes. The floods are due to recurrent waves of atmospheric rivers. These rivers are air currents that carry large amounts of water vapor through the sky. Extreme precipitation is getting more frequent with warmer climate, and recent studies suggest that climate change is increasing the frequency and magnitude of storm sequences like the ones currently impacting California. The state is also under a severe drought. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration released its annual billion-dollar disasters report on January 10, 2023. Even with a just average hurricane season, 2022 had the third highest number of billion-dollar disasters in the U.S. since 1980. In all, 18 disasters each cause more than $1 billion in damage. The list includes three hurricanes, two tornado outbreaks, a destructive fire season, several extreme storms, and a drought that disrupted sectors across the economy. It was also the third costliest year, compared to past years adjusted for inflation, due primarily to Hurricane Ian's widespread damage in Florida. Together, the 2022 disasters topped $165 billion, not counting the damage still being tallied from December's extreme winter storms. African elephant numbers have dropped from about 26 million in the 1800s to 415,000 today. While this is largely due to European colonization, poaching, and habitat loss, these majestic animals now face another grave challenge. Climate change is causing droughts in much of Africa to become longer and more severe. This damages elephant habitats and denies them the water they need. Due to their unique physiology, African elephants need hundreds of liters of water each day to survive. Drought reduces the availability of food, causing elephants to starve. It can also mean young elephants die or don't develop properly because their parched mothers produce less milk. People who eat just one U.S. freshwater fish a year are likely to show a significant increase of a cancer-causing chemical in their bloodstream, new research warns. 
An analysis of U.S. government data derived from more than 500 fish samples revealed that the majority of fish living in streams, rivers, and lakes across the country are contaminated with per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, or PFAS, at levels almost 300 times higher than found in fish from other sources, including ocean and farmed fish, according to the paper published recently in the journal Environmental Research. ExxonMobil scientists knew about human-driven climate change as far back as the 70s, and they also studied the looming crisis with computer models that were every bit as accurate and skillful as those used by the world's leading researchers. Despite that knowledge, the oil giant kept up its public denials that burning fossil fuels posed a threat to the planet. A peer-reviewed assessment in the prestigious journal Science sheds new light on the divide between Exxon's internal knowledge and its public position on climate change, an issue first detailed in news reports in 2015. It comes as Exxon and other oil giants face a growing number of lawsuits from cities and states, alleging they marketed fossil fuels despite knowing they were the source of the damage that was occurring from climate change. Under one metric, Exxon proved more precise than famed NASA climate scientist James Hansen, who first brought global warming to Congress's attention in 1988. Climate activists have been fortifying the tiny hamlet of Lutzroth in western Germany, hoping to stop it from being raised to make way for the expansion of an open-pit coal mine that has already swallowed more than 20 other villages. This week, columns of security personnel poured in, dismantling tree houses and detaining dozens of demonstrators, some who had been there for two years. Although the German government has pledged to exit coal by 2030, amid the war in Ukraine and the scramble to replace cheap natural gas supplies from Russia, officials say the coal underneath the village is essential. Germany's coal production is rising again after years of decline. It increased by nearly 20 million tons between 2020 and 2021. A curious phenomenon can be spotted on the glaciers of North America in the summer. Little black ice worms emerge en masse from their frozen homes beneath the glacier. The peculiar ice worms are around one centimeter long and dark brown to black in color. They look like loose pieces of string strewn across the snow on glaciers and emerge in very large numbers. As many as five billion live in each glacier. The worms contain antifreeze proteins that stop them from turning into icicle worms on the frosty glacier. They engage in a mysterious reverse hibernation as they emerge after winter fatter than they are by the end of summer. Their reproductive cycle remains mysterious as it takes place completely under the ice. The worms are threatened by rising global temperatures and climate change. The newly appointed president of the next international climate conference known as COP28 is the CEO of one of the world's largest oil companies and has been branded a climate criminal by UK Green MP Caroline Lucas. Dr. Sultan Al-Jabbar is the group chief executive of Abu Dhabi National Oil Company. A pound of red onions now costs more than a pound of beef in the Philippines. Onions are a staple in Filipino cuisine. The country is facing a national onion shortage as inflation hikes prices and climate change continues to wreak havoc on crops. As of Wednesday, local red onions cost as much as $4.50 per pound, more than a pound of beef or a whole chicken. 
The U.S. and Mexico share underground water basins that span more than 121,500 square miles of the borderlands, but the two countries have no regulations for managing those common aquifers, in part because historically very little was known about them. On December 28th, researchers released the first complete map of the groundwater basins that span the U.S.-Mexico boundary. It demarcates 72 shared aquifers, a striking contrast to the country's previous official count of 11. Many of the aquifers appear to be in remarkably good health. Manatee deaths dropped in 2022 from a record high the year before, but Florida wildlife officials said Wednesday that chronic starvation caused by water pollution remains a major concern. Researchers and scientists at the Natural History Museum have described 351 new species in 2022 and given them all scientific names so they can be better protected. The newly named species include 34 species of moths, three extinct dinosaurs, and 19 new species of stick insects. There's a new species of gecko from the Seychelles, two bumblebees from Asia, seven species of frogs, including six tiny Mexican frogs, smaller than a one-penny coin. 85 new moss species were described and named, featuring a beautiful parasitic species with extraordinary feather-like wings. Other fascinating creatures include a centipede with a number of segments that's never been seen by scientists before, seven species of new flies, and two polychaete worms discovered in the depths of the ocean. Three new species of minerals were described, 11 new algaes, both extinct and extant, and even four new species of plants from across southern Asia. And now the sounds of extinction. No rhinos in the Kazuranga National Park were lost to poaching in 2022, marking a first for the protected nature reserve since 1977. The reserve in India's Assam state is the world's largest for the great one-horned rhinoceros, or Rhinoceros unicornis, and is home to around 2,200 of them, making up the majority of their global population. Kazuranga Park was given the status of a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1985, but according to a report from Reuters, experienced around 190 rhino deaths due to poaching between 2000 and 2021. The rate increased in 2013 and 2014, during which time around 27 rhinos were being killed annually. Thanks to the hard work of task forces on the ground in Assam and excellent technology, the Kazaranga National Park did not lose a single rhino to poaching in 2022, for the first time since 1977. And hear the sound of rhinoceros unicornis at home in the Kazaranga National Park in India.
has begun. The storm has finally come. The water and the wind. Now it has begun. Is this some kind of war? The sea won't say a word. The weatherman's up for. Now it has begun. The storm has finally come. My neighbors in the street, it rushes like a stream. You're caught in it waist deep. What an energized retreat. Do you think you can compete? The hero's tragedy. Now it has begun. The storm has finally come. Drowning and the dead, now it has begun. My breath is out of reach, death makes its final speech. Did this storm come from me? Did this storm come from me? Now I know the truth, the waves break on the roof. Where is my higher ground? It's down there with my say thank you and goodbye. Well, I'm thinking about all the people out in Santa Barbara and Ventura and up in Marin County and down in Port Reyes and Santa Cruz. And teaching us and well, I, I, I feel glib. I feel like I do mean it. The earth is teaching us, but I, I want you to know that I respect. We are thinking of you and wish you safety. Neil Young, I want to thank you for getting us going here with that lifting, lilting song, Love Earth. And that's from his new, his new album, which is all earth-related songs. It's called World Record. Good name for a record. World Record. Thank you, Neil. Swimming. That song, sung by Sundar Gangwani, John Carlin, Carl Hallberg from the Stop Shopping Choir, Gail Bradbrook, well, co-founder of that worldwide movement called Extinction Rebellion, showing us the spiritual side of XR, the prayer that they, 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 they say before risking arrest together. 
Savage D went straight from that jail to rhymes with Gale, straight from that jail to the microphone to give you the uh, news from the natural world. Thank you, Savi. Shopa Narayan, Shopa from the Stop Shopping Choir, uh, singing while well, we composed that song about the storm after another hurricane, Florence in North Carolina. You remember that one? I missed something, haven't I? Oh, yes, the Fiery Eagles of Justice. Well, that's Jason Candler, the editor of this Earth Riot half hour. Thank you, Jason. And on drums, Brendan Burke. And I took the vocals of that ridiculous lecture on how we are screwing up. So thank you, everybody. We're just our hearts and our thoughts, our prayers are with all the people in harm's way right now. We hope you can somehow be safe and dry and warm. Everybody, thank you. This is Reverend Billy. Some of you will be joining me tomorrow here at the Earth Church in the East Village, 3 p.m. in downtown New York. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah. Reverend Billy, Church of Stop Shopping. You're listening to WRCR, AM 1700, WRCR.com. This is Tough Times with Lou Young. That was our podcast within a podcast, mm-hmm. right? Because this will be a podcast when we're done making it a broadcast. <laughs> Follow? You know? <laughs> the podcasts live on after the broadcast. Mm-hmm. It's a podcast after it's a broadcast. Think of it as the broadcast baby. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's it. So anyway, uh, interesting show that uh, the, the Reverend had uh, today. And um, you know, ended. You know, he, he's focused on these uh, these atmospheric rivers, and um, you know, these these new. We keep getting these new weather terms for the, for the disasters that befall us, and they're all um, they're all things that have happened before, but they're, they're, the intensity of them is uh, being affected by climate change. I guess we could, that's safe to say, right? So uh, we've had the polar vortex, right? We've had the bomb cyclone. You got your bomb cyclone, you know? You got your atmospheric river. Storm surge. Uh, well, storm surge, storm yeah. surge, we, yeah, 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 it's part of the, the thing. Uh, uh, a type of atmospheric river is a pineapple express, uh, right, because uh, moisture storms. builds up on the tropical Pacific around Hawaii and then comes to the U.S. and the West Coast with heavy rainfall. Super uh, storms. That may, have been, that may have been what we, we, we're having in, in California now as a Pineapple Express. I don't, I'm not even sure. But here's a new one, and this is one that's going to come down. We're going to hear this eventually, and you can say that you heard it here first. I'll tough times with Lou Young. <laughs> Arc storm. Arc? Arc. A-R-K storm. Uh, a mega storm scenario. Um, I'm getting this out of the Times today, so don't you know this is not. Uh, I just want to credit the the, the yeah. research. Um, uh, originally projected to occur once every thousand years. All right, uh, but now it's more frequent. Expected to be more frequent and intense because of climate change. And AR means atmospheric river, and K A R K arc. Uh, K means a thousand. Uh, so a thousand year storm, except that it won't be a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one occurred in 1861-62, I guess, uh, during the Civil War, right? That would be. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they, they don't think it's going to be a thousand years before it happens again. And that is California's big one, all right? Because with all the, with all the development they've got there, when you get the arc storm, when the arc storm arrives... Uh, after a drought or, or in a non-drought year or whenever it arrives, 
Uh, a lot of stuff. Is nobody gonna, living has seen one, obviously, 1861 uh, yet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so it's a, in 1861, uh, California was pretty sparsely populated. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it had, you know, it was a recent. No one living has seen it. A recent Spanish uh, territory, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't know. When was it? The, when was the Republic of California? Do you? Do you have? Are you? Will I? We're probably part of Mexico. I can look it up if you. Oh, want. you know, let's. Uh, I'm really not that interested. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> In any event, it was a long time ago, and it was California was uh, <clears throat> was there, and it was wet in 1861-62. Let's marry some tunes. I like that. This is the the part of the, the show where I like to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this is our third week in a row doing this, and um, and it's it's because we listen to a lot of music, <coughs> and we. Um, and, and I'm touched by it, and, and, and music is part of, uh, you know, how we understand the world around us and uh, mm -hmm. our own minds. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to uh, marry these two tunes, mm -hmm. all right? Here we go. So, Okay. Um, let us begin. Let us begin. Let us begin. Reverend. Dun, uh, wait, what is it? Yeah. Okay. Dun, 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 okay. Dun, dun, okay. <laughs> you wake up one morning and you realize you've made a serious mistake. It's a realization that you were wrong, you missed something in a relationship, and you, um, and you understand that it was your fault, and if you could just go back and fix it, it would be fine. And that seems simple. And that realization is somewhat joyful because it, it, it brings you some peace, except that it's only one side of the equation. But that moment, that morning you wake up, it feels pretty good to understand mm -hmm. it, and now you know what you need. Mm -hmm. This is the first song in our equation. First recorded in 1970 by Tyrone Davis, written by Jack Daniels and Bonnie Thompson. Co uh, covered by Bruce Springsteen in his new album, Only the Small Survive. Only the Small. Only the Strong Survive. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the other <laughs> album. <laughs> I've screwed this up already, you know? Let me start over again. Okay. <laughs> such an important part. Okay. You wake up one morning, you realize you made a mistake, and that realization brings you some joy. Mm-hmm. So you understand it, and it feels like you understanding it can fix it. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Mm -hmm. This song was written in 1970 by Tyrone Davis, recorded by Tyrone Davis, written by Jack Daniels and Bonnie Thompson, covered by Bruce Springsteen, released in his new album, Only the Strong Survive. This is Turn Back the Hands of Time. Just thinking about 
So he's feeling pretty good. He knows he done her wrong. He's done himself wrong. He knows that he didn't have his head screwed on straight at some point. And now he understands what he really needs if he could only turn back the hands of time. But of course he, he can't. can't. He can't. So the phone rings and reality sets in. 20 years after that song was first recorded, Don Henley did something called Heart of the Matter.
to that sad serenity so many couples share when they reflect on what they left behind. The heart of the matter, you know, and uh, we marry it to turn back the hands of time because uh, that's what seems like would be the solution, but it is impossible. This is WRCR, AM 1700, WRCR.com. I'm Lou Young. What do you say? What do you think about that? You guys, uh, that's that's perfect. Uh, that last song is perfect. Crying your beer in the kitchen music, isn't it? No. No, I think so. Yeah, I think that definitely fits the mood. I mean, they definitely have the similar vibe, especially in the lyrical content. Like it all really works together when once you blend it yeah. in there. I just another one uh, when I mentioned that crying your beer. What's the the the, the ultimate crying your beer song is. Um, uh, oh, what's that? That that. Uh... Who's it by? Yeah, it's gonna come to me later. Never mind. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. All right. So, enough of that. Uh, George, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you were uh, recently uh, in the news. Are you going to be in the news? Uh, you are in the news. Uh, uh, George Potanovic is our uh, is a crusader. He's a troublemaker. He is a, um, a hell raiser. He uh, good go, trouble. Good he, trouble. He, he, good trouble. He comes in. He rattles cages. He mm-hmm. uh, he's a uh, like fires. He. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> under butts of certain politicians. Figurative fires. He's an environmental warrior. And uh, he uh, he sued... Uh, the town of Stony Point. Town of Pony Point and... Uh, <laughs> Pony the town Stony of Pony Stoint. Pony Stoint. <laughs> yeah, that's that town north of us. Yeah, why, why don't you tell us what the what the deal is, George? Well, you know, I want us to say that at the beginning of the show, we, we had a clip from Greta Thunberg, and certainly we spoke to Tracy Brown, and both of them were talking about the need for greater grassroots uh, public involvement civic engagement, which you know, which I've always believed in. You know, space was started in 1990. We're going to be space, 33 years. Space. The Stony Point Action Committee for the Environment was started space, 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 in space, Stony space, Point space, space, space. in 1990 in reaction to land use development issues. But the effort has always been for people to get information, participate in the process. Civic engagement is so important. <clears throat> and uh, the issue that we're talking about is a lawsuit that I brought against the town of Stony Point in April 22nd. Earth Day of last year in reaction to the town's policy. At the time, we were sort of in the middle of of COVID. Uh, Prior to that, as you remember, we had virtual meetings on Zoom, and then later the town went to Facebook Live meetings. So so essentially, essentially you used to go and call them out of the meetings. Well, go and talk at the public input. There's a public input portion, and And then you have an ability to address the board or ask questions. And and, and they didn't want to broadcast your yelling at them. Well, what they decided to do was they 
they broadcast the meeting and they, they chose to put them out there virtually because people during COVID got used to it and they were putting them out there virtually. And then when it got to the time in the meeting when the supervisor said, now it's time for public input, and uh, not only me, but other people walked up to the podium to speak, he turned the camera off and turned the microphone off. So the people watching at home didn't hear, didn't see what was going on. They said, what's going on? They thought there was a technical problem at first, but this started going on during the election season in October of 21 and continued. And I went to the meeting thinking I was being heard by the people outside the room, and I wasn't. So the lawsuit was brought as a federal lawsuit, as I felt this was a violation of my First Amendment right to speak. And when that lawsuit was filed, that's what we stated. And since then, Judge Brachetti made a decision this week uh, on our case, saying that indeed this was not a violation of First Amendment. Uh, and the reasoning that he had, we felt he really didn't get the point that we were making, but he was saying because the towns, and this is true, the towns and villages are not required no, not. to broadcast their meetings. And therefore, because they're not required, that it was okay for the supervisor basically to cut off and censor a portion of it. They're which, also not required to accept public comments that they're Right, and, and you're absolutely not. But the fact is that once they do, once they say they're going to virtually broadcast a meeting, my belief is they should broadcast that meeting in whole and not censor portions of it or cut the public off from seeing it. And I still feel that way, so I don't agree with Judge so, Brickett's so decision. So the town won. But it's a fear of victory, you say. Well, it, we, what happened in the meantime, Lou, is, is last year, certainly after we filed the, the lawsuit in, in April, uh, New York State uh, actually adjusted its open meetings law, which is, don't forget, the freedom of information law and the openings of meetings law are the only two things that citizens have to access government. They have to tell you when they're meeting, open meeting, or you have a right to attend. And what they did is they adjusted those laws to say they're still not requiring the towns to broadcast the meetings, but if they do, they can't can't do what the town of Stony Point started doing, and that is decide that there's a portion of the meeting that people shouldn't hear and cut off the microphones and cut off the video for those meetings. So they can't do that legally today if they go back to broadcasting the meetings. The thing is, why isn't the town of Stony Point broadcasting its meetings when you have many towns that are doing this? Uh, Orangetown, uh, Ramapo, Clarkstown all broadcast their meetings and give the public actually a chance to interact with them. And it's not difficult to do. It's I mean, not difficult to do. We're living in the 21st century here. The technology is available. And, you know, during COVID, we got used to it. People uh, are still concerned about going to gatherings fit for health reasons, but people have busy lives. They have to find babysitters for their kids or they come home late from work and they want to just turn on the, the computer at 7 o'clock and watch the town meeting. And in Stony Point, you can't do that. And I still think that's wrong. The town ought to reexamine that policy uh, and do what other towns are doing. My mother lives up in uh, Beacon and Fishkill videotapes all their meetings, and they put them on cable TV. You can watch it on Channel 22. Well, I'm telling you, and we're, we're, uh, I'm, I live in Mamaroneck. We yeah. have the uh, LMC, which is a, a right. Larchmont Mamaroneck. Uh, it used to be cable TV, mm. and um, it, it uh, we, we may lose the Larchmont part of it soon, but yeah. uh, uh, but it's, it's a... Um, it, it, they cover all our meetings, and yeah. sometimes with mechanical cameras and yeah. stuff. But you can tune in and, and, and see it's, any it's meeting. It's something we should be able to do. Any, to, it's, it's not hard to no. do. And you know something else? The town gets, all municipalities get what they call a franchise fee. And Stony Point, I think, is up to like over $350,000. They get from the cable companies. And that money could be used for, and certainly you don't need that kind of money to do this. But that's certainly, there's funding available that's for this, how, too. That's how we fund it, That's yes. available. I mean, it should be available. So it's never been about me personally. And space has always been 
in favor of the public and greater transparency in town government leads to the public understanding the issues and having the right to participate because any of this civic engagement that people want to do relies on us getting reliable information. So when the supervisor decides to turn off the microphone, to me, that's still a violation of right, our so, ability so, to participate. So right now, right now, um, if you're um, community, wherever you are, right. Rockland, Westchester, uh, Sullivan, Orange, mm-hmm. uh, in the city, wherever, if mm-hmm. you can't see, if you can't, don't have access to your local government meeting, you should, uh, you know, find out why and tell them, hey, you know, it would be really nice if I could just watch the meeting yeah. without having to, um, uh, you know, go, go down there and sit in the, in the, in, in the meeting room. And, and listen, as a public official myself, yeah. that's how I monitor the other committees and stuff yeah, that yeah. happen. I, you know, yeah. I, I tune in, I watch it from home. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and, 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 and I can say the one up in Fishville, they do the zoning board meeting, the planning board meetings. Sure. They give the public a chance to speak at the podium and be be heard. They're not cutting them off. You know, these are other communities are doing this all around the whole country. It's time okay, that so all the communities are doing this. So you've got yeah, you've got that. And and if and if the uh, in New York State where we were protected, if they decide to broadcast the meetings, they still have the right to not do that. Yeah, like you say. should and you should say, well, you know, maybe you should do it. Absolutely. I, I think, and uh, and here's the other thing. I mean. I'm going to toot my own horn, our own horn here at the the Village of Meredith. We open our meeting with public comments. Anybody can get up and talk for five minutes. Three minutes or five minutes. Five minutes. Good for you. Then, at the end of the meeting, right before the, 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 the close of business... There's a second public where they can come in and come up and do it again. Now, the person that didn't come in early could then talk at the second portion? person who talked at the first could oh, talk at the yeah. second. See, one of the things that the town does is it requires you to get there before 7 o'clock and sign up in order to speak at public input. So then you're done. If you don't show up at a little before 7 o'clock to sign in, you can't talk. So they're not giving you that time, and they limit it to three minutes. So it's nice to see that there's communities that actually give people chance that they no. came in late to speak at the end All of the right, meeting. And, That's and now, wonderful that they do that in Mamaroneck, and they now, should do it everywhere. Now, tell you where we we have like you know a, a small small group of people that get up at every every i bet you're one of those guys you're one of those people that the uh, <laughs> that you don't want to hear you know but i do so respectfully okay, i will say I that it. you know I what i mean and, okay. and i think that's what their job is is and to listen to yes, the public it, you know? and as annoying as it is sometimes to sit there and listen and, and <laughs> nod uh, when 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 people are saying the same thing that uh-huh. they said last time yeah. or whatever yeah. um uh, that's fine yeah. and 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 you, you don't don't have to address it. You just no. okay. You had your say. You right. get, that that's what that's for. Yes. It's it's anyway. It's what our democracy is about. So I, I'm, I'm glad you put you're fighting that fight. Yeah. And uh, and uh, will and you? My one question is: Will you be continuing that fight and appealing that decision? Well, that's the decision we have to make. See what's happened because New York State law. I mean, I'm we're considering the option, but since New York State law has since been modified to actually require what we were looking for, and that is. You know, when you decide to broadcast a meeting, it has to be done in full so that the recorded meeting or the virtual meeting duplicates what is happening in the room where the meeting is occurring. Right now, New York State Open Meetings Law requires that. Uh, we'd love to see the requirement that they have to broadcast the meetings, but that's not happening right now. So federal, what, what I was arguing was on a federal state, whether this was an, an, a, uh, an imposition on our First Amendment rights, which I believe it still is, but whether or not we need to follow that litigation now and, and it, when we really achieve the goal in New York State, we have to consider the value of that and whether it's worth our time and effort. But still, I believe that the, that the, that the judge's decision looked at the town's argument that since they're not required to broadcast, they weren't required to uh, record. And I disagree with that decision. But uh, we're considering our options right now for appeal. 
All right, All right. great. So um, uh, we're coming right up on the end here. Look at that. Yeah, we got like less than two minutes. Oh, wow. Wow. We, bur- we burned it, it up. It was a great program, I we think. We burned it up, baby. <laughs> the, the, the room is filled with it's, you can smoke. S- smell of gunpowder. It's gunpowder, yeah, right? gunpowder, I think it is. All right, there you go. It's a... <laughs> Or, or or breakfast. Did yeah. You, did you have a burrito breakfast? No. It was like turkey and pasta. I'm sorry if I made the room smell. At any at any event, at any event, we'll guys. Thank Tracy Brown, the president thank of Thank you, Tracy Brown, the president of, of Hudson River Keeper. And we, all we the listeners out there. We, and uh, and we. Oh yeah, I never even gave the number for people to call in. To no, see. you didn't. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sorry. We'll do it next week. We'll have call-ins next week. Uh, thanks. Uh, thank you, Tracy Brown and uh, Reverend Billy and mm-hmm. Savitrib D. Thanks, and, George's mom uh, <laughs> who called George, in off air george's mom called in earlier but because she just wanted to hear that when's george going to be on the whole time he's going to be on so yeah. so um uh mrs Potanovic, if you're listening how you doing darling how you doing it's my biggest right. fan out there there you go all right let's we'll take care of yourself we'll see you uh, next week and uh take care of the earth take care of yourselves That's right. and uh you, you know will. let's let's see if we can get through this thing all right tough times 